All right. Well, the one who really deserves the praise is Jesus. Can we just praise him one more time? Just say, Lord, I love you. God, I magnify you. Lord, you're so worthy. We worship you today. Hallelujah to your name, Jesus. Praise the Lord. All right. Thanks. Y'all can go on. Sit down. Y'all can be seated in the name of the Lord. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning or in the lobby of this, of this awesome place? And, and the word says where two or three of us are gathered together in his name, he's in the midst of us. And so this is church in here this morning. And I'm so excited about the opportunity to come and share and, and, uh, and, and just to spend some time with your pastor. And uh, can you guys praise God for Pastor, for pastor Lawrence just one more time and him and his wife? Y'all can do a little bit better than that. Just praise God for them and just their faithfulness and their consistency to the area. And uh, really am honored to come and be here. As, uh, as Lawrence was saying, you know, I, I, I get up on a Sunday morning. I've got an 8 o'clock service in Raleigh and then, and then a 9 o'clock service in Durham and then a 10-15 service in Raleigh and 11-30 service in Durham. And I walk off, and get, walk off stage, get in a car, and they drive me to another place and I preach. And uh, the Durham campus seats 3,500. The Raleigh campus seats about a 700. We started the Raleigh Church about two years ago, and I started it in a school. And uh, and we're traveling around. This the guy that's with me is is Pastor James, one of the main guys on staff with me, my creative director. And uh, we're starting to do this, run around and and pastor pastors because pastors need to be pastored. If you know that, everybody needs to be pastors. Pastors need to be pastored. Pastors need someone that can speak into their lives and really build them up and make sure that they're healthy. And, uh, and so we've been doing this, and we're really honored to be here with you. If you saw me leaning over and talking to him a little bit this morning, James, um, we're just trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what, what are you saying? And, uh, and this, this space, and just, and just thinking about it and praying about it and, and praying about what's going to happen with you all. And we really are excited and honored to be here with you, and I'm glad about it. I'm gonna, we're going to look at the Word of God together, all right? Let's look at the, the Scriptures together. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. I, I, I have an iPad is, is how I just look at it. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. And uh, if you have a Bible or a device or an iPad, can you just lift it above your head with something, whatever you're, you're about to do, notes or something, all right? I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to look at two very familiar passages of Scripture. The first one is Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18, very familiar passage, and uh, yeah, I'm probably not going to need it. And then the second passage is Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, another familiar passage of Scripture. We may not be as familiar with it, but definitely Matthew 18, we're familiar with it, and Philippians chapter 2, a little familiar with it, maybe not as much. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment, okay? I like, I like to stand for the Word of God. I feel like if we can stand for the flag, we can stand for the Word, amen? If we can stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, we can stand for the Word, amen? All this controversy about people kneeling for the flag, then we can at least stand for the Word of God and say that we're giving it preeminence or first place in our life, okay? Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18, Jesus is talking. I don't know if it's on the screen. It's okay. Jesus is talking. In verse 18, Jesus says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you, truly, that if two of you on earth agree about anything that you ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And then the second passage is Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 9. And uh, again, reading out of the NIV, and in this time, the Apostle Paul says, uh, Therefore God exalts.
exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The title of my message this morning is Power power. Bow your head. Let me pray for the Lord. I pray that you'll speak, Lord, just now. Some wonderful truth that you'd have for us to see. Thank you for all of us that you've gathered together in this moment. Thank you for every one of us from the front to the back, from the least to the greatest. Thank you for an opportunity that we have just to gather together in your name on Mother's Day. Thank you for all the mothers that are with us right now. God, we honor them. We bless them. We thank you that you are, you have allowed us to come together for just such a time as this to honor you, but also so God, just to thank you for them. And God, we pray that you'd have your way in them. And whatever thing that we have struggled with or wrestled with, whatever difficulty that we have dealt with, God, I thank you now that you're moving by your spirit over us. Have your way in us. Kingdom of God, come in us. Will of God be done in us. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said together, amen. You may be seated. In the name of the Lord. And uh, power, power. If I could draw your attention to verse 10 and 11 of Philippians chapter 2, very familiar passage of Scripture that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in the earth and on the earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, and we're all familiar with the idea that there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. And, and that, that if I just say his name, when I, I can remember when I was younger, they used to actually we'd be in service and they would make us spell his name. Give me a J, give me an E, give me a S, give me a U, and we Jesus, and we'd scream his name because we believed that there was power in the name of Jesus. And we said Jesus' name over anything. In a sense, if you were a Christian and a believer, you almost started saying Jesus and almost instead of saying a cuss word, you see Jesus. I can remember something about some Mike about to hit you in the car, you see Jesus. You just, Jesus is just something that you said because you believe that there's power in the name of Jesus. I know whenever I've been asked to, to pray and whatever, pray to, to something for the governor or whatever, whenever I'm about to do that, I'm always a little conscious of, okay, I'm getting ready to pray, but at the end, am I going to say, in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, because something happened when you say in the name of Jesus. People that were okay about your nice little politically correct prayer may get a little bit upset when you say in Jesus' name because there's something about his name. There's something about the name of Jesus, and we know that. We're starting to worship, and, and the young woman just started screaming Jesus, and then you just felt something in the air because there is power in his name. There is healing in his name. There is deliverance in his name. There's peace in his name. It's something that we all are aware of. All of us, when we come to church, we expect for there to be something that happens when we call his name because the, there's the main way that we think about power in the name of Jesus is his name empowering prayer. It's the main way we think of it. We think of his name having power, and we think, yes, in the name of Jesus. And if I say in the name of Jesus, we were at the restaurant yesterday, and, 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 and your, your pastor was telling a story about how when he first got here, and he was sitting in the restaurant, and, and he was sitting with another gentleman, and then I guess somebody that was there 
died or something, had a heart attack in the booth or something. The guy just, boom, and he just, he ran over to him and just threw his hand on him and said, in the name of Jesus, and the guy, will, guy popped back up because the first thing in his mind was to say, in the name of Jesus. I, I, I might have thought that. I also might have tried to give him the Heimlich maybe, or I, I don't know what I, I don't know if the, I mean, okay, I'm, I'm excited that the first thing he thought of was in the name of Jesus and that there is power in the name of Jesus because for many of us, when we think that scripture, that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, that's mostly what comes to mind, that there's power in his name and power surrounding our prayers so that we're just saying in Jesus' name, Jesus, calling his name, in the name of Jesus. It's the main way that we think of it. And I do think of it that way, but there's another way that I want you to think about power in the name of Jesus, and that is his name empowering our actions. Not enough just for his name to empower our prayer, but also his name needs to spur us to do stuff because as powerful as prayer is, actions are powerful as well. The Word says that, that it, you can have faith, but you, you got to have some work, some deeds to go with you. Will such faith save you? So it's, it, prayer is great, but beyond just praying, there's going to be some work you're going to have to do. You can pray and ask God to bless you right now, but, but, but you gotta, you got to pray that prayer while you're on your way to work. Well, you can pray for your children, but you still have to feed them. You still have to teach them. You still have to, to raise them. It's, it's prayer, but it's not just his name empowering my prayer life. It's his name empowering our actions. And I think sometimes in church, we miss that. We miss that there are keys to blessing and keys to success and keys to growth and keys to power in the kingdom. Sometimes the key to power is not just the, the, the power of prayer. It's also the power of our actions. And Jesus shares a key with us. And I don't know about you, but when I find keys, those keys are valuable to me. How many people in here have keys on you right now, keys? How many of you will admit that on your key ring right now, there is a key that you're not sure what it goes to? Can anybody admit that? <laughs> Maybe it's because it's an old key. It's a key that used to unlock stuff. I know I, I've, I've said this several times, and I've thought, yeah, and I've gone to my key ring, looked at my keys, started going through them, found a key. I wasn't quite sure what it went to, and I thought, this is an old key, and I, I've taken it off, but I've gone over to the trash can. I don't know if you try to do that. I've gone over to the trash can to throw the key away, and instead of throwing it away, I just put it in my top drawer. I looked at my top drawer before I came here, and I got keys to cars that are long dead. They've been gone to see car Jesus. They're, they're not here anymore at all because there's something about a key. It's hard to throw it away. It's, it's valuable once you find a key. And, and, and Jesus and the Word shares the key. I know so many times in church that we, we focus so much on the power of prayer. And I believe in the power of prayer, but Jesus shares a key with us here in Matthew chapter 18. And he says that, that if two of you on earth can touch wherever two of you, where two or three of you gather together in my name, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Yep, that's prayer. We know that. And I believe that, that while I'm standing on earth, I can bind on earth and God will back me up in heaven. I can loose on earth and God will loose it in heaven. I absolutely believe that. But then he goes on to say, and 
Can I say something else? Truly, if two of you on earth can agree about something, there's a power that you have. For where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of you. And Jesus shares us a key to power, a key to success, a key to growth, a key to blessing, and that key is agreement. Agreement. That, that agreement is a key. Agreement is a power that unlocks a door for us to go to a level that we can't get to without agreement because agreement is powerful. As powerful as prayer is, agreement is powerful. And a part of what his name is supposed to do is in the name of Jesus, we ought to be able to agree together. In the name of Jesus, we ought to be able to come together and say the same thing. In the name of Jesus, we ought to be able to stand together. We ought to come together in agreement because agreement is anointed. The word says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the anointing that is poured on the head, that there is something anointed just about people that can agree. As anointed as the worship service, and in that first song, I, I felt the anointing of God. As anointed as that is, a part of it is the gifts, a part of it is the harmony kicked in, a part of it was, the, was their passion, but a part of it is that there is an agreement, there's an anointing when we all agree that we worshiping no matter what, no matter how it sounds, no matter how many songs we sing, no matter the fact that I said I got up this morning and I decided I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to bless his name. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of God and I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name to Together. The fact that I decided to do that, that praise is an act of my will. I don't praise him because I feel him. I feel him because I praise him. You know, some of us are waiting to feel him. We're waiting for something to hit us, and then we'll praise. But that's not why I praise. I praise him, and then I feel him because praise is an act of my will. And when we come together, and agree. When we decide, well, we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to worship him in this room. We're going to worship him in this lobby. Wherever we go next, we're going to, if we have to worship him in the parking lot, if we got here and the doors was locked, Lawrence told me one of these doors back here was locked. I don't know. They locked it today. If y'all got here and everything was locked and y'all set this thing up out there and everybody will decide in this Georgia Tifton, Georgia heat, help us to worship God, that agreement is powerful. There's powerful, there's power in agreement. Agreement is so powerful that even people who aren't saved who agree can have power over people who are saved and don't agree. I know that's hard to believe. But it's such a principle, it's so powerful, that you can take a cult that is in agreement, and a cult in agreement can have more power than the church that has the truth about Jesus that does not agree. You can take a couple that is saved and love God and go to church, but if they don't agree, and then you got a heathen couple over here, I'm not pointing over there. If you got a heathen couple in another place, let me point out, you got a heathen couple that does agree, 
The heathen couple that does agree can have more power in their relationship than the Holy Ghost filled, saved, tongue talking, baptized, fire, ecomish. That that couple will not have the same amount of power as the as the group as the couple that's in agreement. It's just, the same is true with a, a business. A business that is about wrong in agreement can have more power and more success than a business that's about right that does not have agreement. Agreement is powerful. Agreement is so powerful that it moves beyond church. So even if somebody was in a service like this one and they don't really know the Lord and they're not really saved and they're not really all that much about the kingdom, they could take the ideas of, the, of agreement, the principles of agreement, the power of agreement, and if they applied it to their life, their life would be blessed. Even without Christ, their life would be blessed just from the anointing and the power of agreement. Agreement is just that powerful. I'm reminded of the story of Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho. I'm sure we're all familiar with that. Went to Sunday school, around the walls of Jericho, marching around the walls. What's amazing to me about the story is that there's all kinds of ways that the Lord could have knocked those walls down. He could have sent an earthquake to knock the walls down. He could have hit it with a bolt of lightning to knock the walls down. But for him to say, I want the people to come together, march around the city for six days one time, don't say nothing. On the seventh day, march around it seven times. And on the seventh time around, after the trump, the priest blow the trumpet and everybody shout and the walls come down. Why would the Lord decide to do it that way? Part of the reason why he did it that way, I love it, is because it shows what kind of power agreement has. Now Joshua said, when I say shout, I need everybody to shout. And they all shouted and the walls came down. It just shows how powerful agreement is. Agreement is powerful. Think about agreement as powerful as it is. Agreement is not easy to achieve. Agreement's challenging. <laughs> Agreement's not an easy thing. <laughs> That's why Jesus said, if two of you on earth can agree. That's a big if. Because assuming that you have agreement is a mistake. It takes work to have agreement. Agreement is challenging to achieve because agreement is dependent upon communication. We have to be able to communicate to actually agree. And if we have miscommunication, then it makes it very difficult for us to agree. And for One Love City Church, for you and your business, for you and your marriage, for you and your life, if you're going to have power, you're going to have to be able to communicate. That's why we come, we worship, we sit together, we got chairs facing forward. There's thousands and thousands of people that don't do this, don't go to church anymore. This is not a normal thing to then sit for 20, 30 minutes and listen to someone say something to you. Why are we doing, why do we go to the Word? Why do we, we do this? Because we're trying to agree. We're trying to get the church to agree together. A church agreeing together has more power than a church that does not agree together. But that agreement is dependent upon communication. Marriage is dependent on communication. One of the big things that, that I do, most of the stuff, I'm starting to do this stuff with pastors and leaders, but a lot of what uh, I do is a lot of marriage and counseling and family and books I've written have been on marriage and dating and all that. And a part of the reason why we're failing at marriage is because marriage is tough because it's dependent upon communication. Can two walk together unless they be agreed to do so? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. If we're not agreed, we won't walk together. And so there are barriers 
to communication. And those barriers can be a barrier to our agreement. Okay? Let me give you just a couple of ideas of some barriers to communication and ultimately a barrier to, to agreement. I've got a several of them that, that, that are in my notes and, and that uh, they're in my spirit. Several barriers to communication, and they'll help you in the church. They'll help you in your marriage. They'll help you in your life. Uh, they'll help you when it comes to everything you're trying to do. The first barrier to communication and ultimately the barrier to, to agreement is culture. Culture. You got, I mean, in, in this church right now, I mean, my, my church, World Overcomers, it's, it's, it's a predominantly black church. And, and whereas in this church, we got, we, got, we, got, we got black folks, we got white folks, we got, y'all have a, y'all got a serious, this is not a black thing or a white thing, y'all got a Jesus thing going on in here. But, 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 when you, but when you start to look at culture, what, what, what black folks think about and deal with and face, and what white folks deal with and face, and what Hispanic people deal with and face, and what Asian people deal with and face, is just there's different things. And sometimes as a result of our different experiences, it can be difficult for us to agree. We don't always see everything the same way. And so for us to communicate with one another is challenging. I was watching, uh, uh, I, I'm always amazed at the faith that, that white people, to me, white people have some of the most amazing faith I've ever seen in my life. It's incredible. And I was watching a, a, a National Geographic special where a guy, he was a white guy, and, 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 and he got in a cage with a lion. He, he basically was saying, I'm getting ready to communicate with a lion. And I was thinking to myself, there's no way, there's no way, if you, you know, a black person looks at that and says, there is no way a black person would ever get in a cage with a lion. But white people are, y'all are amazing, your courage and your faith. And he got in and he started walking towards the lion. And I'm sitting there thinking, he is getting ready to get killed. And he's just, he's walking forward. And then the lion said, er, he said, see, he's telling me to back up. And I just thought, that is amazing just the way that we don't see things the same way that that culturally that that and and culture can go beyond just race it can even be go go to country versus city i mean i was born in philly raised in boston and now i live in north carolina which i thought was country <coughs> till i came down here <coughs> to tifton georgia that that where I, where I was raised, they had these things on the road called lights, you know? And so when you're driving, there's lights above you. It's an amazing thing. Y'all don't really know about it, but so that you can actually see. It's incredible. That, that I, when I was a kid growing up, I had to be on the porch when the street lights came on. I don't know where you guys had to be. Did, was it when the fireflies lit up? Uh, my point is, is that just from the difference between city and country, and, and when I first moved to North Carolina, they were inviting me to do stuff like, let's go hunting, past Annie. Come on, we got to go hunting. And I was like, man, I can't go hunting. I'm from the city. I was saying it all the time. Man, I'm not from here, man. I'm from the city. I'm not going to go hunting. But then somebody invited me. I went one time, and oh, the glory of his presence. We are people. Oh, my God, it was so powerful. Now I got a truck, and now I got guns. And why? Because I done gone all the way country. When I first moved there, they were saying, Pastor Andy, we got to take you over to Bojangles, and you got to get yourself a chicken biscuit. And I was like, I don't really eat biscuits. I'm not from the country. I'm from the city. I don't eat no biscuits. And now one time I was strolling through, I got me a biscuit. Woo! When I 
ate that biscuit, when I bit into the biscuit, the anointing of the biscuit, it was, it blessed me so that now I'm rubbing it all over. What I'm saying to you is that, that our ability to communicate just culturally can be a challenge when it comes to, us to, to when it comes to communication. What's another barrier to, to communication? Age. Age. Generations. In this church, we got all kinds of generations. We got boomers in here. We got Xers in here. We got millennials in here. We got the, what is the new generation? The Ys or the Zs or, or whatever y'all are supposed to be. I mean, you got multiple generations, and when it comes time to communicate, it's a real challenge. There's people in this room that don't remember TV that did not have a remote. But there's a lot of us in here that remember a TV that had an antenna on it. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. And the antenna, the antenna would break off and you put a wire, you put a, <laughs> that, that you, you had six channels because TV went off. TV went off. The final lineup was Love Boat, Fantasy Island, Heart to Heart. When Heart to Heart came on, it's time for you to go to bed because after that, the uh, nah, 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 TV went off. I was talking to my children about that, and they were like, "What?" But I was there was no remote. You were the remote. My mother would call me in from outside to have me turn the channel for her. Click, 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 click. Well, if you, I, it's amazing to me just, I, and then even I remember VCRs and, and you had to program them and a little tab that you had to break off the tape so wouldn't nobody over, to tape over your show. Just, just the way that we see things differently from generations. It's just, it, it's a barrier to communication. When I, uh, and sometimes I find myself as an Xer, I'm trapped between two huge generations. The boomer generation, 79 million, 50 million Xers, 75 million millennials. And so I'm dealing with my parents who are boomers, trying to talk to them. And my dad's talking to me about back in the day, we used to have to walk, walk, walk. And then I'm talking to my, my children who are millennials who are looking at me like I'm crazy. That that ability to communicate is just a challenge. It's a barrier and it makes agreement difficult. What's another one? Gender. You trying to talk to a woman? Help you, Jesus. You trying to talk to a guy? Lord, help you. Because men and women don't communicate the same way. Women are way more verbal than men. They go on both sides of their brain. They have 25,000 words a day. Guys have 12,000. That means by the time a guy gets home, he's talked out. You ask a woman, how was your day? She's going to tell you, everything. She paints the whole picture. She tells you how she feels. First of all, when I woke up this morning, I was a little bit tired, and my mother called me, and I was like, what do you want? And, I was like, and then when I went, I got to work, but you asked the guy, how was your day? I went to work. It was good. Bob said hi. We had lunch. I came home. It's just, it's just facts. Why? Because we don't communicate the same way. You ask a woman if her friend is cute. Women think their friends are cute when they're not cute. If they like them, she cute to me. She is not 
cute. Dudes know their friends are ugly. He's ugly, but he sure can hunt. You know your friend is ugly. It's just a different way that you communicate. We don't communicate in the same way. We don't see things the same way. And if you're trying to communicate with a woman, I've been with the same woman for almost 30 years, married for 27 years to the same woman, and there's sometimes when I'm saying stuff to her and she's saying stuff to me, and I love her, and she loves me, but I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Why is that? Because she's a woman. She knows she's talking about. I'm a man. I don't know what I'm talking about. That ability to communicate with one another, there's a barrier there. There's a barrier there. What's another barrier to communication? Another barrier to communication is education, experience, what you've been through, the way you see the world as a result of what you have been through. You wish, I know I'm not the only one, I wish I knew then what I know now. God, half the time when I'm communicating with my son, I have triplet boys that are 17, triplet boys that are 17. And uh, they're eating right now, as right now as we speak, they're eating. I mean, they eat while they eat. I don't know if you ever have boys. They eat while they eat. You understand? So they're, they're making a sandwich and they got waffles down, you know? And they just try, and I got to write my name on my food, you know? Because then they still come and say, oh, this right here, who's, who's this? It's mine. You gonna eat it? I mean, they just and so these these boys and they're just and so it's like uh, they're conversation. Whenever I'm talking to them, I'm talking to them with my experience, and it's amazing how right your parents were when you get it. Oh, I wish. I Once it's your house, you realize. You got to call home and say, you know what, Dad, you weren't crazy because that is the exact situation. My father was a very, very cheap, cheap person. It's just cheap is the best way to put it. He didn't like to spend money. He didn't like to spend money on anything you couldn't see. That was his rule. You can't see it. I don't want to spend money on it. Can we turn on the heat? Can you see heat? No, then don't turn it on because <laughs> he didn't like to see. Back in the day, it was long distance. Can we call long distance? Can you see long distance? No, then don't turn. He, he was very careful about every little thing that you spent money on. He was crazy about the lights being off. He believed that you only needed four perforated sheets of toilet paper to get done what you needed to get done. He felt like four perforated sheets was enough. And I can remember as a kid just kind of pulling it off the roll. And he, boom, kicked the door open and snatched the paper out my hand and ripped four perforated sheets off to me and gave it to me and said, that is enough for you to wipe your little self. And I said, it's going to get on my hand. And he said, then you wash your hand. And I, and I just thought, this is, wait, till I can't, wait till I get out of here. And I used to say that. I can't wait till I get out of here. And he said, I can't wait for you to get out of here neither. And I, I thought he was crazy until I got my own house. 10, 15 years ago, I'm walking down the hall, and I heard, pff, 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 when I, boom, kicked that door open, and I, my daughter had a wad tapping her little thing. I'm like, you are flushing money down the toilet. I snatched that out of her hand. I gave her four perforated sheets. Why? Because my education and my experience has now brought me to a place where I see what he was saying. Why? Because I've lived a different life. Uh, I'm in a different place. I've had a different experience. It's not the same. When we start to talk about the barriers to communication, man, that's church. 
That's us coming together. We got men in here and women in here. We got extras in here and boomers in here and millennials in here and Zers. Is it Z, son? What is this? Is it Zs? I don't know. We got all kinds of generations in here. We have different experiences and different levels of education and different things that we've gone through. And, and for us to come together, for the church to come together and agree is a challenge. How do we do that? How do you do that in your marriage? How do you do that in the church? How do I do that in my company right now? And in, in, in World Overcomers, we've got, what, 30, 35 employees that work for us. And, it's, and we, got, it's, we have everything. We have black people. We have white people. We have, we have men. We have women. We have young people. We have old people. How do we come together and agree? How is agreement accomplished? Well, Paul gives us a little bit of a glimpse of how to get it done, and, 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 and I'll close with just these two thoughts. The first thing he says, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. That at the name of Jesus, the action that is empowered by the name of Jesus is not just knees bowing in prayer, but knees bowing in humility. <laughs> to agree, I have to humble myself. I don't know about you. I don't know if there's ever been anything in your life that knocked you to your knees. There's a difference between something knocking you to your knees and you bowing your knees. I'd rather humble myself than for the Lord to humble me. I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer, humble me, Lord. It's not a good prayer to pray. Humble yourself and the Lord will lift you up in due season. But you have to be careful because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. It's very difficult to agree if you don't have any humility. If you think you know everything, you can't agree. You think you have all the answers, you can't agree. You think you've seen it all, you cannot agree. If you have an over-grandized attitude about who you are, if you think you are so great and you know everything, then when it comes time for you to agree with someone, it's going to be very challenging. At the name of Jesus, your knee bows. At the name of Jesus, uh, uh, when we were at Rhema, they, they gave us an, uh, uh, a definition of, of meekness or humility, and they said that it's not kind of shrinking over and walking lower than what you were. That's not, a, uh, that's not what humility is. Humility is standing as tall as you can, but standing next to something taller than you. I can stand at my full height, but when I stand next to the Lord, I think, whoo, Lord, I got a long way to go. Now, most of us don't do that. Most of us, we don't like to stand next to someone that's doing it better than us. We like to stand next to somebody that we're doing better than. At least I come home. Do I come home? No. At least I come home. But do I come home? Do I come home? No. <laughs> Thank you for coming home, but we can't. You have to have a greater goal than just coming home. There's got to be a goal that says, all right, let me find someone who's doing, being a husband and a father on a whole nother level than me. Let me find a mama who challenges me because if I find, even if I'm feeling good about being a mother, even if I'm feeling good about being a father, when I find somebody who's doing it at a whole nother level, it brings a humility to me. And I say, wow, I still have some stuff to learn. There's something about our natural human nature that doesn't want to do that. We just want to find people that makes us feel good about ourselves. And we will even say that. I mean, they were telling the truth, but I just don't like how they make me feel about me. Because you have to be prepared to be humble to deal with truth. So there is a humility that causes me to agree. And all kinds of things can make you humble. I would rather humble myself but I have found myself in a situation where there are things that make me humbled. 
I don't know if you've ever been in that experience where somebody who was the most difficult person for you to talk to comes back to you years later because life has hit them in the head. The situation has knocked them for a loop, and they now are in a situation where they're saying, look, can you just help me with my business? I know I told you before that I was going to have this kind of business, but now I realize maybe I didn't know what I was talking about, and life has brought me to a place where I'm ready to agree with somebody who may know something I don't know, that at the name of Jesus, knees ought to bow. If we can worship the Lord, then we ought to be able to humble ourselves. If we can say, Lord, I love you, then we ought to be able to say, all right, Lord, I, Lord, I love you, and I acknowledge that I don't know everything, that I know in part and I prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, all this imperfection is done away with. And when I was a child, I thought like a child and talked like a child and reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put that childish way behind me that I now realize that there's more to life than what I've seen, more to life than what I've experienced, more to life than just what I think I I know, and I'm ready to humble myself and maybe come together in agreement. That at the name of Jesus, knees bow. Humility is a key to agreement at every level to be able to, to humble yourself and agree. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that it is what your mouth says. I'm amazed at how true the word always has been. That passage in Proverbs 18 that says death and life is in the power of the tongue. It's more than just speaking death and life over something. And certainly I do that. I speak life all the time. But it's more to it than that. It's also that I realize that what I say has a great significant power over even my mindset. What I say first. What I say after it's over. What are the words that come out of my mouth? I've got to guard my heart, and I've got to guard my mouth, and out of the overflow of my heart, my mouth is going to speak, but I have to be very careful about what my mouth says. You can come here to church, and we can bless you all the live long day, but if you leave from here and curse yourself, we really can't help you. It's amazing how we're so concerned about people cussing us out, and we cuss our own selves out. And we speak words that do not bring life to our marriages or life to our businesses or life to our children or life to our family or life to the church. It really is about what your mouth says. And it's amazing how you can control your mouth if you think about it. It's amazing how what your mouth says can actually direct your heart. I was reading a book, I think it was Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, I think it was, and there was a part in the book where he was saying that he realized that he didn't really love the Lord, that the word, the, that the command was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, love your neighbors, you love yourself. And he said, you know, Lord, I don't really know if I love you like that. What should I do? And he felt the Spirit of God say to him, act like you love me like that. You don't really love me like that, then act like it. Talk like it. And so he started to talk like it and act like it because the talking and the acting can change your heart. It's why people are in movies together and then end up together afterwards because it's difficult to play love and not fall in love. It's not easy to do. That, that as a result of what you say, it, it, it rules your heart. It's why when you're in the military, they make you say stuff. 
One, two, three, four. I love Marine Corps, my Corps, your Corps, our Corps, Marine Corps. Up in the morning till the rising sun. Run all day till the run is done. You, they don't, you may not love it, but they're going to make you say you love it. I love Marine Corps, my Corps, your Corps, our Corps, Marine Corps. Why are they making you say that? Because they know that with your heart, you may be in it, but with your mouth, your confession is made to you being a Marine. They got to get your mouth lined up with what you have signed up for because if they don't get your mouth on it, you will not really believe it. You'll never agree if you, if you say, hey, you know, I don't even know what they got. Here we go. Here's somebody else. Your mouth will block agreement. If your husband says, can I talk to you for a minute? And you go, yeah, I'll be in there in a minute. Here we go. He always coming. coming up. It's always something. Joe's always. I don't even know what it is this time. If that's what your mouth says, then your mouth will block the agreement. You might have could have agreed. But your mouth blocks it because your mouth has power. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. It's amazing to me how many people call themselves Christians and have a prayer life and want to pray in the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I don't have any problems with praying in the Holy Spirit. I do pray in the Holy Spirit. But I would rather you pray. I would rather you talk right in English. Oh, help us all. I met so many tongue talkers that are rude afterwards. It would seem to me that if you can pray in a heavenly language, you ought to be able to speak English and not sound like you can't stand people. Because you can speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, you're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. That I have to realize that if I'm so saved, then I ought to be able to say the right stuff. If I can say, Lord, I love you, then I'll be able to say, all right, dude, I love you. If I can say, Lord, I'm so sorry, then I ought to be able to say, babe, I'm so sorry. You're right. I burnt that chicken up. I'm so sorry. I wasn't even watching it. I know you said, watch the chicken, and I'm so sorry, babe. I wasn't even thinking about it. That game came on, and I started watching that game, and I thought I forgot all about that chicken, and I wasn't even thinking about that chicken. I don't like big child. You don't like burnt chicken. I know. Well, we can say all this stuff to God. We can come to church and just tell Jesus everything, and can't Speak life to one another. You're never going to agree if you don't say you'll agree. You come together and say, all right, I'm going to agree. All right, we're going to get this thing together. We're we going we to fix this thing. We, my wife and I have decided we have no choice but to stay together. At this point, it's been too long. Can't, I, I can't, uh-uh. Now, nobody knew. Are you, help us. Are you, it's, it's not possible. So we, we have no choice but to agree. I own too much. Can't take all my stuff. I, I got to agree. We have to agree together. And so my mouth has got to be on it that at the name of Jesus, my knees bow. At the name of Jesus, my knees get weak. At the name of Jesus, my tongue confesses that he is Lord. My tongue says stuff it needs to say. They taught us that all years and years ago, that making a good confession, saying the same thing that Jesus said, saying the same thing that God said, and making you make your mouth say the stuff that it ought to say. And I love that 
And I did that, and I was at Rhema and Brother Hagen, and it was awesome, and praise God for all of that, and it's wonderful. I just now that I've been in the ministry 35 years myself, preaching for 35 years, and pastoring people, I just wish that they had made us emphasize a little bit, not just all making a good confession and naming it and claiming it. I wish they had focused a little bit more on us being able to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish they... <laughs> I wish they had focused a little bit more on us being able to say, I forgive you. I wish they had made us focus a little bit more on making our mouths say stuff that we didn't necessarily mean to say. I think that that's, that's quite apropos on Mother's Day. Because if you had a mama like mine, she made you, stay, she made you say things that you might not have meant. I had a mama that said, fix your face. Maybe did. I had a mama that said, fix your face, which means you had to smile around sorrow. That's right. You had to smile around stuff that was, you had to say thank you, and you weren't grateful. <laughs> Wasn't enough just to be grateful. You were supposed to be grateful about things that you were not grateful about. You were not happy. You asked for an ice cream cone, and you wanted three scoops, but to save money this month, you got a scoop. And there's a disappointment ball in your chest. And as she handed you the cone, she's looking to see how grateful you are. And if you're not grateful, she'd be like, oh, you don't want this ice cream cone? And you had to be like, no, no, no. You had to confess. You had to get your mouth together and get it to say the right thing even though you didn't mean it. That's what mamas do. Mamas teach you how to be what you ought to be, not just what you feel like being. What happened to the mamas? What happened to the mamas that said, I'm not waiting for you to feel it. You better get to it. You're going to feel my belt. That's what my mama said. You're going to feel my belt. You want to feel it, you'll feel my belt when I come in here. What happened to the mama that made you say Thank you, and no, sir, and yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, and show respect to people that didn't even deserve respect. Well, you deserve, you respect her anyway. I don't care if she, you respect that teacher, but she's, she can't talk. I don't care. What happened to the mama that said, yeah, but make your mouth say it? Can't just go by what you feel like saying. You have to Cause yourself and make your, yourself line up with the word. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm praying, my prayer for you, why we came all the way up here, why, why I came all the way from North Carolina, all the way down, this is down, right? All the way down here, not up, down here to Tifton, Georgia. Woo, help us, Lord. Bugs flying in. Oh, why we came all the way down here was to say, all right, beloved, this is where you are, but if you want it beyond just, the, beyond buildings, beyond worship teams, beyond structures, beyond where you meet, beyond seats, beyond all of it, if you can agree together, there's a power that you have when you agree that you will not have if you don't agree. Agreement is so powerful. If we can simply come together and agree, nothing can stop us. The enemy will try to slow us down, but he cannot stop us, not if we agree.
I want you to bow your head. Reach out and grab somebody's hand. Let's pray for one another. Lord, I just want to thank you for our time together today. Thank you for this moment, this Kairos moment, this opportunity that we have just to take a second just to love you, just to call on your name, just to honor you, and just to speak life and see life and rebuke death, and we speak life. In the name of Jesus, there is healing flowing in this place, and God, I thank you for healing everybody. God, I thank you for healing every pain, and well, God, we believe in that, but God, I thank you for the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. I thank you that we are able to come together and call on your name. I thank you for the power of agreement. It's not just something that you just happen to say. It's a truth. It's, it's a reality, God, that you said that if we can agree together, there's a power that we have. And God, I pray that we'll come together in agreement. I pray, God, that you'll bind us together with cords that can never be broken. God, I pray that your anointing that is connected to your word and connected to your principles will touch our lives and that we will go from glory to glory. Now, God, be God in our situation. Make a way where there is no way. Open doors that we could not see. Let favor be the fleece and confirm your word to us with signs following. Empower us to be your people. Thank you so much for living so big in us today. Thank you for the moms that are here. Thank you for the children that are here. Thank you, God, for all of us that are gathered together in this place. Thank you for everyone that couldn't make it today that is a part of our fellowship. God, wherever they may be, they may be at their mom's church today. God, wherever they may be, God, I thank you that you are still able to draw us together and link us together and empower us together. Have your way in us. Kingdom of God, come in us. Will if God be done in us today? In Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together. Amen. Put your hands together for pastor as he comes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we get all the moms to come up just real quick? We're going to, we're going to, we've got a little special something. All the moms, come on up. We've got a special something for you, and then we're going to, Speak a blessing. We're going to come into agreement. Come on, we're going to come into agreement and speak a blessing over. Thank you, Lord. Kids ready? Look at all the moms. Come on, let's give them a round of thank you, Lord, for mamas. Come on, kids, y'all come on up. Come on, all the kids, come up. Y'all come on up. Go ahead. Y'all go ahead. Look. Amen. Look at all I love these little all the little ones. Little nursery kids. Come on. Come on. Some of you mamas got so many kids, y'all gonna get a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> 
Look at that. Aww. There you go. <laughs> Why don't we all stand? Come on, stand together. Stretch your hands forth towards the moms. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Come on, stretch your hands forth. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into agreement. We unite our hearts and we unite our mouths together to declare over our mothers. Father, thank you for moms. It's a mother's love that takes a special anointing from you that you created her to do things for her children that only a mother can do. We release our faith and we say thank you for this gift you've given us. And now, Lord, we speak a blessing over them on this day to honor them. Father, not just honor them in verbally, but, Father, we speak and declare that you would honor each and every one of these mothers that are here and the ones that aren't here that are a part of who what you've called to do. We speak a blessing over them, and we say honor them financially. We say honor them physically, honor them emotionally, honor them in every area of their life. We release our faith and call it forth on behalf of your heart and on behalf of our heart to them, we release our faith. Thank you, Lord, for the love and the care that they've given us and the things that they do for us. Thank you for allowing them to have the courage and the strength to correct us when we need correction, to strengthen us when no one else can strengthen us like a mom can, to speak words of life and to call the things out in us that may not yet be out in the open, but they see it and they call forth those things which be not as though they were manifested in the natural. They call them forth. We call forth those things. Lord, I say yes, I'll say that. The dreams that are inside of you, the dreams that have been there, and you've had to put them on the back burner because of your dedication as a mother. We release our faith and say those dreams will start to come forth right now in Jesus' name. The things that you've had in your heart to do, they are birthing right now in Jesus' name. He is sprinkling his favor, and he is confirming his word, and he is going to bring those things forth. And your children will rise up. And they will call you blessed. Blessed. This is my mom. She blessed me. She raised me. And on down through the generations. And as they travel and as they go out, the words of their testimony will be that their mothers loved them and trained them and corrected them and caused them to speak things that they did not necessarily want to speak. But as a result of that, and now you have projected them to a higher level because of your faithfulness as a mom. We release our faith in that in the name of Jesus. And now, Lord, as we go, as we go into all the world, we go in agreement. We agree that your desire for One Love City Church is to be that expression of love. And though I have faith, and though I have uh, words that I speak the tongues of angels, and, but I have not love, our heart and the mandate that you've put on us is to be that expression of love. 
And this generation, they desire to be loved. So we unite ourselves and we say, say this out of my mouth, I will love people. I choose to honor people. I choose to walk in love even when they don't necessarily deserve it. I will love people in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.